Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. While Mary and Joseph were in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Luke 2, 6-8 This morning, we have already lit our four Avenue candles throughout these past weeks. We have been preparing ourselves for the celebration of Christmas. Now, on Christmas Eve, we also light the candle of Incarnation. Today, we wonder at the mystery of the author of all life being born into the world. The one we have been waiting for is given two names, Jesus, which means the Lord saves, and Emmanuel, which means God with us. The world became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14 A white candle reminds us that this boy was no ordinary child, but the pure spotless lamb sent to wash away our sins. God shares our humanity in order to bring forgiveness and salvation through his death and resurrection. Look, Look, the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John 1.29 Thank you so much, Mari and Trevor, Shiloh and Max. Thank you so much for reading and sharing for us this morning our Advent candle, and this completes that. And we are going to invite our children to be dismissed to the L.A. Peterson Youth Center stage, all the children today. So you can be dismissed at this time. And we pray the Lord's blessing on you. Thank you, children. And thank you for reading. All the children read so well this morning, and we thank you so much for that. It's good to have all of you here today. Home for Christmas, some of you, huh? Home for the holidays. There's no place like home for the holidays. Wherever you roam. And uh, I know that uh, it's a special time to come and share with your family and friends. And I know that uh, some of you are here today uh, from quite a distance. And also we wanted to remind you that um, if you hadn't heard that uh, Unigine McDonald is in the hospital. And uh, she hopes to go home in a few days. And it's her birthday today. And she would rather be home, of course, with holidays, but her boys are all here. All three of the boys and wives are here. And so pray for them as they have some time together today and pray for Norm as well. And also, we have been praying for our brother, Kurt Olson. And uh, he had his stem cell uh, treatment uh, recently. And, of course, these are critical weeks right now. If you have a chance to read his uh, Caring Bridge journal, you can, can see that. And his whole family... Uh, um, Home for Christmas, they came here from Idaho, uh, the Rehoys and the Olsons. So Lord bless you, and uh, we continue to pray for our brother Kurt, and look forward to a good report. Amen? And so continue to lift him up in prayer. Home for the holidays. Wherever you roam, come home for the holiday. Why is it that 
we want to be home for the holidays. I'm assuming. Maybe you don't. I don't know. You know, but uh, you remember your first time away from home for the holidays? I remember our first Christmas away from home, and Teresa and I were married, and uh, we're in Grand Rapids, uh, all by ourselves in the married student apartments because everybody left. And uh, it was boy, it was one long Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and uh, we we there was just nothing going on. We went downtown to the uh, the hotel, the Pantland Hotel downtown, and found a little, literally greasy spoon coffee shop. And uh, a waitress, I remember her still singing Jingle Bells, going around uh, waiting on us. And that was, we would, we'd like to be home. But we remember that for Christmas as well. Why is it we want to be home for the holidays? What is it about home that draws our hearts to be with our family and our friends and our, our place of birth, our place where we grew up for the holidays? We're going to talk about that this morning. But let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we are going to just spend a few minutes now. We've had a wonderful time of singing your praises and these great Christmas songs. Uh, to hear to hear these voices, Lord, and uh, share with them. Uh, what a privilege on this Christmas Eve day. I can't think of any other place I would rather be than here this morning. And thank you for that privilege. We do pray for uh, Unigine and we pray for Kurt. And as they are in the hospitals on this uh, Christmas weekend, but we pray your heavenly, uh, your, just your the Holy Spirit will bring a heavenly blessing to them. Be close to them. Let them know we are thinking of them. And of course, we pray for your hand of healing and touch upon their body. Bless us now as we open your word. Might we hear your words this morning and take them home with us as we continue to celebrate the wonderful, miraculous incarnation. God become man to bring us salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We were in Bethlehem last May. Quite a few of us, we took our uh, trip to Israel. And one of the places we did not see in Bethlehem was this. Uh, this is a place that uh, we, we were pretty rushed there. We didn't have a whole lot of time. But um, we didn't get to see this, but this is there. And I'd like to read you the story of this place. Um, home for the holidays, during harvest time, three of the 30 chief men of David, we dedicated Timothy David this morning, David, as, a, as the, uh, the author recounts David's, uh, the exploits of David's mighty men, the men who, who stood with him, and in a very difficult time, he said, the chief men came down to David at the cave of Adullam where he was in danger, and, and, and it was a very difficult time. He was on the run, he was hiding, and the men were coming to him. While a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David's hometown, right? Where Samuel came to anoint a son of Jesse, to be the next king of Israel in Bethlehem. And David was up on the hill looking down at his home where he wanted to be. This was a hard time. He's a young man. His life is in danger. And there would be no place better than to just see your home and go there. But the Philistines had surrounded it and taken over. And there was no way David could go down there. And David longed for water. And he said, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. And he long, he longingly out loud expresses his heart's desires. If somebody could just get me a drink 
from the well. Uh, this is the traditional site of the wells outside at the gate of Bethlehem. That David said, I remember going there as a boy. I remember getting water. I remember fetching water for my family. If somebody could just go get me a drink uh, from my home, to be home, to get water from my home. If somebody would do that. And the three mighty men broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. They brought home to David. And they went down there at the risk of their lives. And I can imagine these guys coming back, you know, all these uh, army rangers or whatever, you know, special forces coming back, battered and bruised and bloodied. Uh, they fought through the garrison of the Philistines, three of them. They didn't just walk in and say, can we buy some water? You know, they fought their way through. They grabbed the water and they came back and stood there and presented it to David. Because he longed for his home. He longed to be home at Bethlehem. Every year at Christmas time, as we consider this uh, wonderful story and some of the scriptures have been read to us this morning, this, this uh, historical account of the birth of our Savior, it's always interesting to kind of enter into the life of these people. You know, these are not one-dimensional stick figures. You know, these are real people uh, just like us who had real fears, real longings. Uh, Mary and Joseph. And we know from the culture of the time, and just the wording of the Gospels that she was a very young teenager, very young girl, very young girl. And, and, and their life had been so radically changed as she is now pregnant with the Messiah. And they live in, they live up in Nazareth. We visited the area around. We didn't go into Nazareth, but you go through the area, the Jezreel Valley, the, the breadbasket of northern Israel. It's a beautiful area up there. It's beautiful. And Nazareth sits up there on the hill. We drove down the highway past, past Nazareth. And this is where they lived. This was their home. This is where they grew up. Mary and Joseph. We consider David wanting to be home to Bethlehem. And I was thinking about Mary and Joseph. And there was probably no place that she did not want to be was Bethlehem. I can't imagine any place else she would not want to be than Bethlehem. And we read, of course, if you have your Bibles in the Gospel of Luke, it's such a familiar passage. We've read part of it this morning already. But it's Christmas Eve, right? And uh, boy, it's so good to see all of you this morning. You never know on Christmas Eve, you know, what families have going and so forth. And it's just wonderful. Thank you. God bless you for coming today. And I trust you will have a wonderful time with your family and friends this Christmas Eve and Christmas Christmas Day. I wish Christmas Eve was always on Sunday, huh? It's great. Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken. And Gary, Gary shared with us last week, this was a tax census. The census actually may have been going on for multiple years. But now it's reached to the eastern part of the Roman Empire, the eastern fringes. Of, of Palestine and Syria. And that this census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, which was the farther eastern extreme of the Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. His own town. His own historical town. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David, 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, betrothed to be married to him, and was expecting a child. Mary and Joseph did not live in this town. This was their historic roots because they were the family of David. And they were from this town. And they had to go back to this town so that they could identify any family property that could be taxed. The property tax. And also to register personally so the Roman Empire knew who they could tax in their empire. Where are your family roots? What if a census came today? What if a census came and said, uh, Pastor Jim, you need to go back to Wisconsin. You need to go back to to uh, Wild Rose, Wisconsin. You've never heard of that. I know somebody here has heard of Wild Rose. It's a little town that no one has ever been to except me and Nina and Teresa. It's a town of, what, two, three hundred people or something. And she, talking to her one day, so I went to high school there. I know your cousins. That's just like, you know. But what if I had to go back there to register? I've never lived there. What if I had to go back to the island of Rhodes off the coast of Turkey where my dad came from and the Jewish community there and had to register? I'd, I'd never lived there. It's not my home. Where would you have to go? And can you imagine? Let's enter in for just a few minutes into Mary. She went with her husband Joseph because it was, because it was the male lineage that had to register. It just so happened she also was of the family of David. She also is of that royal family, but it's because of her husband, really, that they had to go back to Bethlehem. She is pregnant. She is about to have a baby. Ladies, I don't mean to be stereotypical here, but it it seems to me, I don't care what culture, what time in history, there seems to be this common thread that when you are going to have your first child, who do you want there? Right? The women in your family. Your mother. Your grandmother. Your mother-in-law. Your grandmother-in-law. Your aunts. Your sisters. Somebody who's been through it. I mean, this is a common thread. You want to be with your family. You want to, especially in this culture, you want to be with your mother, your grandmother. You want to be with the ladies of your clan. To, to, to not only have your baby, but to help afterward. And, and, and Mary has to travel 63 miles. How far is Bellingham from here? 60 miles, roughly? Depends where you come from, Seattle. How would you like to be near delivery, ladies, and have to walk? We think maybe she had a donkey to ride, but remember, they were poor people. When they went to offer their sacrifice, they had to bring the pigeons because they couldn't afford the normal sacrifice of the doves. They're poor people. I don't know what if they had a donkey. And they had to travel 63 miles away from home. David looked at Bethlehem. And he looked at that place and said, oh, that I could just get a drink from home. I wonder what Mary thought when she looked at that place. And I wonder if her heart Oh, if I could only be home with my family. They must not have had family there. Because they certainly would have stayed with them if they had anywhere near immediate family in Bethlehem. But she traveled all the way. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, her Bechor. That was my, my father's name in, in, when he was born. His name was Bechor. Because in Hebrew that means firstborn. And the firstborn male of every family in his tradition was named Bechor. His sister was Bechorah. He was, he was the first Bechor. He was the firstborn. And she wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. We, of course, visit, and when you go to Bethlehem, you visit the site of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not quite what you expect to see, right? You sort of expect to see this, right? Um, but wood is pretty scarce and, and expensive. And it just so happened that mo- the way it's described here, most likely, this, this is the scene today you see of the birthplace of Jesus. This is the church of the nativity that you walk in, you go into this church, it's, it was being remodeled while we were there, so it was difficult to really get a full perspective. It's a, it's a, it's a building kind of like this. You go downstairs, you walk downstairs below, you go down underneath the church, and you see the grotto, the cave, that is, looks like this today. And I know if it looks at it, you think, wow, that's not quite what they expected to see where Jesus was born. But the interesting thing is, of all the places that we visit in Israel, and oftentimes we call them the traditional sites because we have to say, well, we think this is where it was. Of all the sites we visit, this probably is the most authentic. Going back to within a hundred years, we have commentary by early church fathers about this place and a church that was built over it by the mother of Constantine, Helena. And they built that church over it and it was remodeled and it was, and all these things happened to it. But that is the place and to stand at that place and this is the place where our Lord was born. When the Persians came in the 7th century destroying uh, Christian buildings, they came to this place and they were stupefied to see Persian magi on the mosaics on the wall. And they went and they left it alone because there was something, there was something special about this place. Home for the holy day. Home for the holiday. I just, I don't know. I'm just surmising. Where would, where would Mary really want to be? And, and, and the inn they went to, the inn had a, a courtyard in the middle for the animals, and then the rooms were around the outside. But it talks here in, in the history, we, in this good history, that they went off to a cave off the side, the grotto, to a cave to have a little privacy, and to have this baby born in a manger. The mangers were cut out of stone, the feeding trough for the animals. Friends, this was not just a humble way to be born. It was a humiliating way to be born with the animals. Where would she want her baby to be born? Her before to be born. With the animals in a manger or in Nazareth with her family and friends celebrating all alone in this town of David. We can visit this site still today. Why did they have to come here? Why did she have to make that trip to Bethlehem? And she never lived there after they fled to Egypt and went back up to Nazareth. Why did they have to go there? Well, as we read in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew and Luke give us the accounts of the birth of our Lord and the events surrounding it. And it's in the Gospel of Matthew, in the second chapter of Matthew, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, 
during the time of King Herod. Magi from the east came from Persia, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. This man was so insanely jealous, he killed his own family. And when he heard there was a king of the Jews, he gathered all the people's chief priests, the teachers of the law, the rabbis, the Pharisees, Sadducees, says, where is this supposed to happen? Where is this Christ supposed to be born? And they said, quote, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. David, the sweet singer of Israel, the shepherd boy of Israel. But out of Bethlehem, and the the Magi came, and they came and they followed that star, and it it brought them to Bethlehem, the house of bread. The house of bread to Bethlehem. This was common knowledge. All the rabbis knew this. This was no secret. This was common knowledge. That even still in this time when Jerusalem and the mighty, mighty temple of... We looked at our pictures again last night with our family. And those... I mean, the the one stone that that held... One stone as wide as this across the back here that was hauled in there among many stones. One stone to hold up this humongous temple that Herod built. This grand city of Jerusalem... It was still six miles away to the south and to the east. We go today nine kilometers to Bethlehem. Six miles away in that small town of Bethlehem that everybody knew in the first century. All the rabbis knew. This is where Messiah shall be born. We know that not only from this here, but in John chapter 7, later on in our Lord's life, when our Lord is is ministering and people are questioning who he is and what he's doing, and we read. Let me read this to you from John chapter John chapter seven, and and uh, verse forty. On hearing his words, some of the people said, "Surely this man is the prophet, the prophet." Others said, "He is the Christ." Still others said, "How can the Christ come from Galilee?" Does not the Scripture say the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived, and the people were divided because they knew Jesus was from from Galilee. They knew he grew up in Nazareth, and now he was working out at Capernaum. They knew that. They didn't know he was born in Bethlehem. But everybody knew this is where the Messiah must come from. Sometime today, take a few minutes and go back to Micah chapter 5 and read the first part of it. And you'll see the account that the, that they were told, the Magi were told, that Herod was told when the Magi came, that it's in Bethlehem of Judea shall come one who will shepherd my people. And he will also talk about the victory he will give eventually for his people over their enemies and to shepherd the people of Israel. O little town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem, that small, insignificant town from the clan of the Ephrathites of Judea. Why did God choose? Why did God choose that town? 
Why did he choose that town? Why did he choose David? When the prophet Samuel came and said, Jesse, bring your sons out. One of these men is going to be called to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse quickly called all of his sons and lined them up. And Samuel went to each one of them and God says, no, 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 no. You're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. And they're all, they're done. There's no more sons left. And Samuel says, Jesse, what gives? Are there any more kids? Oh yeah. I mean, how do you forget? How do you forget about David? He was so insignificant in his own family that, that Jesse said, oh, Sorry, I forgot. There's one out taking care of the sheep. And Samuel says, Jesse, I think he probably said it sternly. He says, Jesse, I am not even going to sit down to that boy who's standing here. And that boy who came out ruddy. You know what the word means? It means earthy looking. Earthy looking. He came out. He was ruddy. He'd been taking care of the sheep. Shepherds, shepherds do not have the highest social standing in the biblical world. In fact, the first century... It was common understanding that shepherds were about in the same line of social standing as a thief. Remember when Joseph went down to Egypt and, and, he, and, he, says, and he says, don't tell them you're shepherds when you come here. They're an abomination to the Egyptians. David was the shepherd of the family, taking care of the sheep. And the minute he walked in, God said, Samuel, anoint him. He's the one. Why does God do that? Why does he pick the least likely? Why did he choose the least likely place? Why didn't he choose Jerusalem? That was the city of David. That's called the city of David. Mount Zion. Why does God do that? Why does God choose the insignificant? Why did God call you? Why did God call me? It certainly wasn't because I deserved it. Nobody knows that better than me. And no one knows it better than you. And if you're here today and you come with your family and friends because it's Christmas and God bless you, thank you for coming. But if you're here today and you have to, you have to say, you know, I really don't trust in Christ as my Savior. I, I don't believe that. It's, it's a nice story. I like Christmas. But, but this story about Christ dying on the cross of Calvary to pay for my sins, I, I don't believe that's important for me. I want to tell you, friends, you're the exact person God is calling today. You are the exact one He wants. He wants you with that doubt. He wants you with that, that those concerns. He wants you to come and, just, and to change that and to have simple faith and to say yes to God. And say, yes, I understand I'm a sinner. I understand I'm less perfect. I know that and you know that. I know I'm a sinner. You know you're a sinner. And Christ came and died on the cross and paid for your sin and rose from the dead. You're the kind of person, you're the exact person that God has chosen to love because that's what He does. David. When those three special force rangers came back, bloodied and battered, beaten up, Big grins on their face. Right? We did it, David. We got the water from the well of Bethlehem you wanted. Here it is. And the Bible tells us, nevertheless, David would not drink it. But he took that water and he poured it out 
to the Lord, the water from the well of Bethlehem, from home. And he took it and he gave it to God. He made a sacrifice out of it. And he said this, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this, that I should dare drink this water. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives and therefore he would not drink it? They chose the name David for Timothy David because he's a man after God's own heart. David with all his faults and his humanity he knew God well enough at this young age this, this, this is a sacrifice to you God this, you deserve this more than I do these men risked their lives their own blood and I'm giving it to you and he poured it out on the ground in Isaiah chapter 53 the suffering servant of God that was to come tells us he poured out his life unto death. As we celebrate Christmas Eve and we celebrate the joy of the incarnation that in that manger God became flesh. I don't care how long we live. I don't care how deep you go in the scriptures. You will never come to a full grasp. How could we come to a grasp of that? But the baby in the manger was 100% God and 100% man, yet without sin. But he went to the cross of Calvary because only God is intrinsically holy and can pay for sin. But only a human could take our place. The God-man. And he poured out his life unto death. But before he did, he was ready to go home. Bethlehem was really not his home. And he said to his disciples, Peace. Peace. We talk about peace at Christmas time. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not. Do not. Do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad. I am going back to the Father for the Father is greater than I. Home for the Holy Day. And the wonderful news, friends, of Christmas is... God has prepared an eternal home. Eternal. Forever. We are going to be with the Lord. We are going to be together with our loved ones. We are going to serve God and enjoy His heavenly, His creation. There's going to be a kingdom on earth. We are going to enjoy being in the Lord's presence for eternity, friends. Because He went home after he left David's home in Bethlehem. And I really hope today that you will be there with us. The greatest Christmas gift you ever could receive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his firstborn son, 
that whosoever believes on him will not perish, but shall have everlasting life. And God wants you to be a part of that and to enjoy his love this holy day and be home for Christmas. We're going to share our last song. Thank you for leading worship today. We appreciate the music this morning. It's been great. I'm sure glad that Dave turns off my mic when I'm singing up here. Um, I worry about that sometimes. <laughs> and if he doesn't, will you let me know? Uh, because uh, it was really great to sing with you this morning. And we're going to finish up the day and sing another song. Thank you so much for leading us in worship today. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> will you stand with us? Amen. Thank you so much. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news, gospel of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. To you, he is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So that's why we came. Bethlehem, the house of bread. So the shepherds could come, and the magi could come, and that you could come and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, what a day. What a glorious day. What a day to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, whom we love. We love you, Father. We love you. We worship you. We give you thanks today. And Father, I just pray that every person here will have a blessed Christmas with their family and friends. It's a little difficult for some. But you can step in and bring blessing and peace. Fear not. Good news. Great joy. And Lord, as we leave this place, if there's just one person here that is not Christ as Savior, they have not received salvation and forgiveness for sins. It's a free gift, Lord. Work in their heart. Open their heart to the good news that they might say, yes, I receive Christ's salvation because you love me. And they can grow in your love and grace. Dismiss us with your blessing and a blessed, blessed Christmas Eve and day. In our Savior's name, all of God's people can say together, Amen. God bless you, everyone, and thank you for coming.